Welcome to my podcast, Don't Make This Weird. Each week I invite a special guest to talk about their life, the news, politics, and anything else that might come up. Hey y'all, it's T. Biggs from Long Story Short. I want to talk to you about a new targeted knowledge base for independent entertainers, inspiring politicians, entrepreneurs in the GPE slash e-commerce space looking to sell products and services called the IndyK. You can't beat the wealth of knowledge with subscriptions ranging from $1 to $5. Head over to patreon.com slash the IndyK to get in on this now. That's Indy, I-N-D-E-C-A-V-E. And remember, listen to the Long Story Short and the Barbecue Podcast right here on the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network. Welcome to the very first episode of Series 3 of Don't Make This Weird. Uh, I am super, super excited to welcome my very first guest this season. Um, She is probably one of the brightest stars in the Democratic Party right now. She's somebody to watch. She's doing big, amazing things. And that she said yes to this interview, I'm so happy. Please welcome Roderica Appleway. Hi. Hi, Greg. You're being very kind to me right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are communications for Michigan Democrats. Uh, Governor Whitmer, Big Gretch, just announced that she's up. She's going for re-election. I'm excited about it. Are you guys as excited as the rest of us in the world are? Yeah, yeah, super excited. Um, I have uh, been a big fan of her since uh, my days at Emily's List. Um, we, I was on uh, the research team over there during her first re-election campaign, um, or first election campaign. Uh, so I've been a big fan. It's been excited to see what she's doing. And now that I'm on the ground in Michigan, I'm very excited to see her work up close. So it's been a fun ride so far. And... I- in in person is her jacket game as unmatched as it is on social media it's it's very good i've only uh, seen her a couple times uh since i've been on uh but yes it is as great as her <laughs> uh fashion game unmatched so i want to take it back a little bit um tell me about baby roderica was was politics always the aim for you no, I uh, thought I was going to law school because um, that's what everyone always said I would do because I like to argue and talk. <laughs> um, no, I actually, so I grew up in the South, um, grew up in Georgia, very red part of the state, um, about an hour west of Atlanta. Um, so small town, heavily Republican, um, didn't really know that politics was a thing. Um, I knew I was a Democrat, but I didn't know that that was something you could like do professionally. Um, so I was applying to colleges and was like, I just need to like get out of this space for a little bit. Um, and then ended up, uh, getting, um, getting into GW in DC, which was a really awesome experience for me. It was really cool um, going to school in the middle of the nation's capital and fell in love with the city uh, and pretty much stayed there ever since. Um, but, you know, I obviously leave every now and again to work on campaigns, but 
Um, that's kind of been my home base. And that was the space where I learned that, you know, this is something you can actually do professionally and have an impact. And so um, it's been, it's been a fun ride so far. Uh, you know, now I'm all the way in Michigan, living the dream. <laughs> so you first came onto my radar um, when you worked on then Mayor Pete's campaign. How did, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so uh, like I said before, I was at Emily's List. And um, at that point, I had worked on statewide campaigns, um, pretty much uh, contributed to uh, campaigns at every level except for presidential. Um, and so I was like, all right, it's time. You know, 2020 was a, is, uh, it was a really exciting year for Democrats. I knew a lot of different types of candidates would be getting in. Um, and so I just kind of started an aggressive campaign of sending my resume to everyone's like info at and like, you know, for people that I knew if there was someone on that race, you know, making sure I got my face in front of them because I just knew that this was, you know, kind of the next step for me and I, I really wanted to be a part of the cycle. Um, so, you know, through my name in around ooh, probably February 2019, um, started really ap applying to places and, uh, you know, I didn't know who Pete was, but I was like, sure, you know, you're running <laughs> my resume. Um, and then, you know, this woman named Liz Smith reaches out and just emails me and I'm like, what is this? Um, and it was like maybe a two week process. And then I was on. Um, so, was, you know, one of the first people hired on the campaign. Um, I was the first researcher on the race, um, was there for the launch in April um, in South Bend. And so it was just kind of one crazy thing after another. Um, it was absolutely the ride of a lifetime. I've learned so much from my experience working on Pete. And then, you know, also I'm still very close friends with a lot of people that I met on that race. So um, it has definitely been the gift that has kept on giving. I'm really thankful for the experience that I had um, on that race and in South Bend. And, you know, it's really cool uh, that I was able to be a part of getting, you know, the a gay veteran mayor of the fourth largest city in Indiana, you know, all the way to the Department of Transportation, where he's now having a huge impact um, on infrastructure projects across the country. So it's the, it's a really, um, really humbling thing that I was able to be a part of that. And I'm really excited that Pete gets to be such a big part of President Biden's cabinet. Do you ever have moments where like you'll you'll see him on like the Sunday shows or something and just, just sit back and go, I helped do that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Pete is such an assassin with stuff like that. You know, I, I did not help much on the <laughs> campaign with that because he didn't need much help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it was as the researcher on the campaign, I was like a keeper of a lot of, of, a lot of the, like in, in, in the historical knowledge and in the institutional knowledge of, you know, who Pete was as mayor and stuff like that and kept up with all the debates and stuff as well and kind of all the drama that was going on between all the other candidates. But, you know, Pete is the one that definitely synthesized that all, all of that information without a lot of help. So um, he was really easy principal to work for. Uh, so that was, that was the easy part of the job. <laughs> so we are, we're in a midterm year and uh, Texas has started, started voting. Their, their primary started a couple days ago, last week, I think. Um, are there, what are the races that you're watching as somebody who's been on like big campaigns? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of watching all of the frontline members uh, from uh, 2018 and 2020, um, seeing how they're doing. You know, the house is going to be really tough um, to hold on to uh, this cycle. Um, it's just kind of how it, the pendulum tends to swing when um, the when when uh, you're the same party as the party that's in the White House. Um, so keeping an eye on all of those, um, you know, a special shout out to uh, Lucy McBath, who I think is now running in Georgia's seventh congressional district. She was originally in the sixth um, on when I was at Emily's List. We deployed for the last couple months of the campaign. And so I was able to, you know, um, form a relationship with her and she's the sweetest person on the planet. Um, so really excited to see how she does um, in her upcoming primary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess just keeping an eye on everything, you know, something that I kind of talk to reporters about in my capacity for um, Michigan Dems, it's just the fact that like, you know, Michigan's kind of the center of, it's it's kind of the pulse of where the rest of the country is. It's been a really good barometer. Um, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, it's definitely a battleground state. Um, you know, it's very, we have a very vibrant and active uh, right wing of the party uh, of the of the Republican Party. And so they're kind of grappling with what they need to do uh, as far as figure out what direction their party is going to go in if they kind of continue to lead into the Trump stuff or, you know, kind of get back into the more principled substance aspects, um, you know, like your Republicanism of the of the 80s and stuff like that. And so um, being able to see what's going on in Michigan is kind of a good uh, I guess litmus test for how the rest of the country is going to go. And so, um, so that's being on the ground for that and kind of seeing those same things that are affecting Michigan politics on, you know, a micro level and seeing how it ripples out to the rest of the nation has also been a really interesting part of the job. So, um, so I'm excited for, you know, midterms. Uh, I have a lot of friends on a lot of races and I hope they do well. Um, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Republicanism, uh, with everything that's going on in Ukraine with Russia, um, do you feel like with the former president's praising of Putin that Trumpism has become a liability for the Republican Party? I think it I think there, it certainly puts them at a crossroads to kind of make a decision on what matters more uh, winning races or keeping your party together or acknowledging the fact that there are serious conversations the Republican Party needs to have with itself about what the point is. Right. At this point, it is not about keeping taxes low. Right. It is not about personal freedoms. It is about lining up behind Trump no matter what. And I think they're realizing very late, you know, based on my, the conversations I've had with some of my Republican friends that Trump has dragged them off the cliff a long time ago. And they have to decide at this point to commit to the bit or have a kind of a major expelling of some really nasty and divisive tenets of the party that they've kind of had to grapple onto because of Trump. So they got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so while we're on the subject of the former occupant of the White House, I want to jump to our listener letter uh, for this week. Um, it comes to us from Liza Joe in Dayton, Ohio. Hello, Liza Joe. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate you. Um, she would like to know how concerned we should be 
about the possibility of a Trump 2024 presidential campaign? Hey, Liza, thank you for the question. Um, I mean, yes, extremely concerned. You know, he's still hitting the circuit. He was at CPAC last week or whenever that was. Um, yeah, it's serious. But also, you know, and this is kind of a thing that I, I want to be careful. I want Democrats to be careful about. It's not just Trump, it's Trumpism. Like, it doesn't matter if he doesn't run, right? Like he is still the platform of the Republican party. Um, and, you know, I think there'll even be a point when we get to the 2024, you know, primary on the Republican side, you're gonna see a lot of Republicans try to out Trump Trump. You know, I think Ron DeSantis has done a pretty good job of that. Ted Cruz was doing it before Trump was doing it. And so there's still, it doesn't really matter. And Trump is not, I really want to get away from Democrats viewing Trump as the big bad, because it also just makes it harder for voters to understand that this is not just like a one and done situation. I think it's also why you're seeing, you know, uh, President Biden have the struggles that he's having with the American public at the moment, because, you know, if you're electing someone, uh, if you're electing someone, their whole platform is, you know, I will write the ship. It, it kind of gets people to think that the ship uh, that the, the, the wheel is the only thing that you have to focus on when there's a whole bunch of other stuff um, that's going on in the Republican Party. You know, regardless of whether or not Trump runs, election integrity and, and discord in our democracy is still something that we are going to, have to deal with as an American public for cycles to come, right? Like there's already been so much damage, we don't trust the democratic process, you know? So at this point, that's, it's kind of irrelevant. It's it's a concern, but it's certainly not something that should, you know, let anyone breathe a sigh of relief if he doesn't get in. Um, what, what would you say to Democrats who feel like Biden hasn't really accomplished anything? We're, we're a year in and there's people who say that, you know, he hasn't he hasn't canceled all the student loan debt or, you know, we don't have a universal public option yet. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely things that, you know, Biden said he would do as president that have yet to been been accomplished. But that doesn't mean that this presidency hasn't been one of a lot of accomplishments. You know, I think we have to kind of remember where we were when Biden was elected. You know, the economy was absolutely ravaged by COVID-19. We've since made up a lot of those gains. And that is because of the smart decisions the Biden administration has been doing and helping small businesses, helping people get back on their feet. Um, you know, the infrastructure bill is a huge, huge accomplishment. It's something that no one else has been able to do in the past century. And, you know, it is absolutely critical. It's going to create a lot of jobs. Um, and then, you know, also being able to uh, complete the commitment of nominating a Black woman to the Supreme Court. I mean, these are all things that you know, Biden said he would do and he's delivered on. And so I think people need to realize that there was a lot wrong that needed to be fixed. And he's doing, he's done a really effective job, I think, at, at tackling those issues pretty methodically. So um, I'm really excited to see what he lays out in the State of the Union that's happening uh, tonight. And um, I'm sure that the rest, the, the next two years will also be filled with as many accomplishments as we've gotten in the first two. You know, i really hats off to President Biden and his entire team over at the White House and the uh, Vice President Harris's office as well. So steering away from politics, uh, you are quite the Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Damn. Um, <laughs> so what is 
your favorite of the MCU films? Ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> I have a whole answer about this. Um, so, uh, okay. Excluding like, excluding like Infinity War and Endgame, like I don't count those in the rankings because it's just a lot, they're, they're outside of the rankings. It's just not fair to count them. My favorite, or at least I'm very, I'm very partial to, um, this might get me canceled, but Age of Ultron is one of my absolute favorites and I know people hate it, I'll, but- I'll die on that hill with you. That's, oh my God. I, I feel yes. like that's, it's a fantastic film. It's a fantastic film and it does so much. Like I think people don't understand when these directors get, you know, tapped to these movies, Kevin Feige throws a list of things they have to do. And because of just where Age of Ultron was in the timeline of the MCU, it had to do roughly 25 things. Like it just had to do it or like the rest, it would just screw up the continuity of the rest of the MCU. So really important. And so I love it so much. Um, and then also I'm a big Spider-Man fan. So, and I think, I think I, I'm actually willing to go out on the slim. I think Spider-Man is the best trilogy in the MCU. That's, that's fair. Um, that's fair. Uh, the, the latest Spider-Man, I had very much a, um, end game moment when when thing when things happened in that film for everybody who hasn't seen it will avoid the spoilers but there were there were end game moments for me oh yeah it was good lots of tears very happy <laughs> which mcu film could you do without oh i mean come on like both the first thors like were good <laughs> didn't really matter and you know i hate to say it i hate to say it but I'm also going to say Shang-Chi and Black Widow because they felt like phase two movies and it's because they should have happened in phase two. And admittedly, the MCU was not super committed to diversity or women in leading roles during that time, but they felt just more like stories that would have made more sense then. I haven't really, especially Black Widow, just like it. it and, you know, Scarlett Johansson got screwed in a lot of ways on that, um, but it's just really dumb to do a movie after your main character's dead so yeah it <laughs> it felt like a too little too late constellation prize like right like, okay all right um which which mcu films are you most excited about the ones that are coming one's coming um i'm really excited about multiverse of madness um that seems like it's going to be really fun and then um thor love and thunder and ant-man quantumania as well i think those are ones that are going to be kind of mission critical for where the mcu is going next um so i'm excited about those and then also i'm a disney's plus fan they deserve love too um so you know excited for moon knight that's coming out later this month Moon Knight looks absolutely incredible. Um, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, which, which, what am I trying to say? Uh, which, which of the TV shows was your favorite? Loki, easily. I mean, it's tough because I, I go back and forth between Loki and WandaVision, um, but both were just absolutely incredible shows um very excited that loki is getting a second season not sure when that's coming but it's great um and then yeah wandavision was also just really smart interesting storytelling it really was and they were both like visually stunning 
like they were just so well shot and yeah yeah it was great and you know wandavision was such a risk i feel like for them um i don't think if disney plus had if disney plus hadn't existed i don't think we would have ever gotten it so i'm super excited that they're i mean they've also made a bajillion dollars at this point so they can afford some flops but wandavision was like really good and different and you know also big stan of women directors um so very excited for the the director that handled that yeah i feel like like wandavision was either going to be just absolutely fantastic or it was going to be a complete disaster yeah yeah so for them (laughs) choosing that as the first disney plus uh miniseries was yeah kudos to the whole team So we have come to the point in the show where we play the random question game. I have just 15 completely stupid random questions (laughs) that that some people have sent me. I've found a couple of these. Um, So are you down to play? Yeah, I'm down. Are these like rapid fire? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, good, I have time to think about them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What was your first job ever? First job ever, um, paid or unpaid? Either. Okay, um, well, I, this is, I mean, this is such a nerdy, I went to GW answer, but my first job, um, cause I did debate in high school. So I didn't, I didn't work in high school cause I was debating every weekend. Um, so I guess that was a job I got paid to judge sometimes. <laughs> that was cool. Um, and then, uh, I, so then, you know, when I went to GW, I had an internship. I was at Truman National Security Project as a political intern, um, which is funny because I'm now a political partner for Truman. Um, and then my first paid job was not until I graduated college. <laughs> like, it's far uh-huh. too I'm a joke. Um, yeah, so I was a, uh, I was a research assistant at an oppo firm. So um, that started. Uh-huh. I love of research and then uh which i did for six years research compa- not at that firm but just did research for for six years of my career and now i'm in my first comms job so yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh what is your guilty pleasure guilty pleasure um oh this is hilarious i love cheesecake factory i'm a big fan it is the best america has to offer um love it <laughs> I'm very happy that I'm driving the Sims to one in Detroit and I go sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? Yeah. I don't see why not. Um, actually, like, I fully, back when, like, they were t- finding people to do the Mars, like, you leave and don't come back thing, I looked into it, but I was like, oh, I'm so social, like, it's not, I need, I would need to talk to people. If I was an introvert, though, I would have absolutely done it. I've also looked into, um, NASA will pay you, uh, like, 60 grand to, like, not get out of bed for six months. But also, yeah, but it's like, ooh, I'm not trying to do that either. Right. (laughs) Like on, on paper, it seems like a really cool idea. Great, you have to just literally not get up for six months. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Whitney or Mariah? Oh, Whitney. I mean, my mom played her over and over and over again. I it like uh, days that it was like cleaning days. My mom's Panamanian. So that means there are specific days of the week, <laughs> typically Saturday or Sunday. Um, so I used to associate her blasting Whitney Houston at like five in the morning with cleaning. So 
it hurt my love of Whitney until I got older. <laughs> I disassociate those two things. <laughs> In your opinion, what is the best Whitney Houston song? It's very basic, but you know, I, dance with somebody like I just, yeah, it's just a, it's a crowd pleaser. Everyone loves it. It's a national anthem. Just a good time. If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what crime would you pick? Um, I mean, you said student loans. Like, out of all the hacking that's ever been done, can someone please just Fed loan, just hit them up? Well, I guess they sold their loans to somebody else, but do that. Please do that. The hackers out there, come on. <laughs> get it done. That's fair. That's fair. Or like, you know, give everybody a perfect credit score, like something right. like that. You know, for the culture. Help us out. Yeah. It's victimless crimes. Like, right. <laughs> what is a film that most people hated, but that you just absolutely love? Um, besides Age of Ultron, let's see. Um, so a couple things. One, everyone's bagging on Tenet, or they did during the pandemic, and that's fair. It's a confusing movie, but it's also just, it's one of those movies that if you stop thinking about it, it makes sense, which I think is a line in the movie. Um, but that, and then I like Dune. I don't like, a lot of my friends hate on it. I did not read the book, which I think aided my experience there, because I was just, you know, ooh, you know, space. Um, but my book reader friends were like, this was trash and so sorry to them but dune was great i'm a big timothy chalamet fan and zendaya as well so and oscar isaac and every honest every, the whole cast 10 and i'm a big uh denny Villeneuve fan as well um since he did arrival which i'm a one is one of my favorite movies also so, yes that's interesting because like i've i've read dune and like i i thought it was i thought the film was fantastic Oh, okay. Well, you're the first person. <laughs> I mean, I went, I went into it like knowing that, you know, no, everything in the first book is not going to be in this film because, you know, we don't have 19 hours to commit to a film like that. But, you know, it was good. It was beautiful. The, um, the score was fantastic. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, what is a film that you could or have uh, watched over and over again and never get sick of? Oh, uh, so many. So I love Inception. It's, I think Inception's the first movie that I like paid to see multiple times. I'm pretty sure. I saw Inception like literally five times. Um, <laughs> also Interstellar. Um, Prestige. Honestly, I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. So most <laughs> Christopher Nolan things I will go see again and again. Um, so yeah. Big fan of all of those things. And I did see Dune three times, so. Oh, and then also the first Kingsman movie. Like anytime I'm like surfing TV and it's on, I will sit down and watch it for two hours or whatever, wherever I that's, jump. That's, that's completely fair. Those are, those are fun movies. Those are fun movies. What is your favorite Christmas song? Ooh, uh, I actually don't like Christmas music. I have a whole playlist on Spotify that is like kind of anti-Christmas music and not anti as in like, I hate Christmas, but like, it's not like, you know, all I want for Christmas is you and like that stuff. It's usually like indie artists, like their original Christmas songs and a few covers, but I really just 
I don't know. I don't like, I don't like Christmas. <laughs> I think it's just because it gets played so much. Like as soon as Thanksgiving is over and I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday, it's Halloween holiday. Sure. Um, and it always gets railroaded by Christmas music. It makes me sad. So. <laughs> well, and I mean, I feel like there's, there's only like what 50 or 60 Christmas songs. And there's only so many times that you can hear different versions of the same song before you snap. Um, so that's, that's completely fair. <laughs> if you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, Ooh. what would you buy? Um, um, you know, I really like cheap, like costume jewelry. So probably that I always, I'm always almost always wearing like some big earrings that I bought for like 10 bucks at H&M so probably <laughs> right on. what is the best show on television right now the best show on television um so I honestly haven't had much time to watch tv um but I will say and this is going to be this is coming from deep I'm a big anime fan um and so right now attack on titan um which is like it's a very I well the material is not easy, but there aren't a lot of episodes. So it is easy to like start. It is a very, very interesting story. Um, it is in its last uh, last couple episodes of the series um, since the manga is done. And so the anime is now catching fully up to it. Um, so, and I have not read the uh, manga because I haven't had time to. So it's been an exciting ride. It's like leading up to all the chess pieces are basically on the board and now, you know, we're going to see what the final conclusion of the show is. And since it's only 20 minute episodes, I've been able to keep up with that every week. And honestly, that's been kind of the only thing that's like actually currently playing that I've been watching. Um, so that shout out to Attack on Titan. Everyone go see it. It's really just fun. It's very gory, but it's good. Um, and then I just finished watching you. So I'm all the way caught up on you, but that's pretty outdated <laughs> and I need to start succession. Everyone keeps telling me I will, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, you also need to check out Abbott elementary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big sitcom person, but it's got, I'm a big Quinta Brunson fan. Cause I've yeah. been following her since like I was procrastinating in college when she was at Buzzfeed. So um, big fan of her. So yes, I will check that out as well. How many alarms, uh, do you set to wake you up in the morning? God, I am not a morning person when it <laughs> comes. Um, but ooh, a lot, um, a lot. It's not that I set a lot of alarms, it's that I hit the snooze button a million times. So typically if I have to be up before nine, I usually, which is every day now because I work in comms, um, I set my alarm probably an hour, hour 15 minutes before I have to get up just because I know I'm going to hit snooze like eight times. That's fair. Yeah. If I invited you to a barbecue, what would you bring? <laughs> um, what would I bring? So, okay. Mm, my, I mean, my healthy answer is I make a really mean Brussels sprout salad, but you can't pull up. Well, is this a barbecue or a cookout, right? You can't pull up to a cookout. <laughs> um, if it is black cookout, I'm coming with, this is, this is a big order, but mac and cheese, I actually do make really good baked mac and cheese. I don't like cooking. It will be an all day event, but it is good. What is the worst pickup line you've ever heard? 
worst pickup line I've ever heard. Mm, so me personally, I don't think anyone's ever, my boyfriend might disagree, but I don't think anyone's ever, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever picked me up. Like I have resting bitch face. Nobody's trying to talk to me. Um, however, I have heard some awful ones um living in dc because dc some people some people a lot of men are insufferable everywhere but especially dc um and so the amount of times i've seen a man like flash his white house badge or his oh. hill or his business card and be like oh i work for this like i don't nobody cares <laughs> no <laughs> nobody cares uh and so that is the number one thing that makes me roll my eyes on that poor woman's behalf if you could have a song play every time you enter a room what song would it be um i don't know that i have i don't know that i have a specific song but that question reminded me of so on pete um i was on the rapid response team um, it was a team of four of us, uh, me, Sean Sabat, Matt Cordoni, and uh, Manuel Bonder. And anytime one of us would land something or done something successful that kind of won the day for us and for Pete, um, we would always play Paper Planes. <laughs> and so um, that that's probably it. Okay. <laughs> it was our theme song. And last question, if you had a late night talk show who would your first three guests be um wow uh i think probably robert downey jr because i think he's so fun um uh, amanda gorman probably because she just because she's so gorgeous yeah. and i would ask her what her skincare routine is um, and then a third one, who am I like obsessed with right now? Oh, Zendaya. Yeah, for sure. Easy. That would be a fantastic <laughs> show. Uh, I would, I would watch the hell out of that show. <laughs> so we have come to the end of the episode. Um, if there is anything that you would like to plug, or if you'd like to drop your social media handles for, uh, the folks listening at home, you are free to do so now. Yeah, um, so I'm at Roderica on Instagram, Twitter, R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K-A. Uh, DMs are open if you have any questions about politics or like how to get into this field or whatever. I love answering questions like that. I think it's really important for people um, in my position, which honestly is not much of one. I've only been doing this for a couple of years, but, um, you know, I do know more than an intern at this point. And so, you know, when I was... Uh, figuring out how to get into this field or figuring out that this field existed, it would have been really helpful to have people that were accessible for that. So I definitely, you know, believe in reaching behind to, you know, help the next generation of amazing political staffers out there get their start. Um, so please reach out to me there. And then, um, you know, vote for Whitmer. She is running. She's got a, <laughs> she's, uh, we've got really important midterms coming up. So, you know, whether you're in Michigan or not, it's really important to be active in your local communities. Um, you know, it's not just the stuff going on at the top of the ticket. There's a lot of really important local races. And honestly, that's where a lot of the, you know, Republican, a lot of the, the Republican strategy is, is built on kind of running through these school boards and local uh, election board commissions and stuff like that. So really important to pay attention to those things too, because that's kind of where democracy is going to be won or lost um, in the, in this cycle. So 
stay active and keep doing it. Excellent. Roderica Applewhite, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I have enjoyed this immensely. Um, you, you were going to do amazing things and I'm, I'm very excited for what the future holds for you. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Um, and thank you for having me on the show. This was fun. Um, um, anytime you would like to come back to this show or I've got a couple others, um, you know, I always have a place for you. <laughs> oh, good. I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll have to do this again. Awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even here? Don't Make This Weird is a dollop of trollop production in association with Spring Break 83 Productions and the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network.